Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term. Requires broadband. Further terms apply. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Download the top-rated ball sports app today for the latest odds on weekend GAA action and great money-back offers on every televised championship game. GAA betting with ball sports, bring it on. You're listening to The Throw-In, the GAA championship podcast on independent.ie. Hello, I'm Frank Roach and welcome to this special episode of The Throw-In. Coming to you from the 2016 Ploughing Championships, where I was joined by Pat Spillane, Mark Brehney and Colum Keyes, as we look back on one of the craziest and most bizarre All-Ireland football finals in recent memory. The drawn match last Sunday. Your, your thoughts having reflected on it, Pat? Uh, last Sunday's All-Ireland final, look, uh, it was a very surprising result because I, like everyone else, had believed that the Dubs were going to walk it that they were going to win by 10 or 12 points because the dubs, the way they've been playing for the last two years, have been brilliant. But, you know, the one thing about, about sport, and it's vital that in, in the GA and in Gaelic football, too much of the time now, tactics is all about stopping the opposition from playing. It's all about stopping the opposition's key player from playing. And there isn't enough thought into putting in how best can you play yourself and how to get the best out of your players and about taking the game to the opposition. And what Mayo did last Sunday was, Jesus, they took the game to the dubs. They got inside the dubs' heads. They got at them physically. They had a very good defensive system. And they, prob- and they should have won. The only thing about it is, you know, like you get one chance to beat the favourites. Dublin were bad last Sunday. They were stale. They were flat. I mean, if somebody told you Sunday morning, that the Mayo backs would score more than the starting six Dublin forwards, you'd have said, you're off your rocker. And that's what happened. Mayo produced a brilliant performance that fell up short. Dublin were bad on the day. Can Dublin be as bad again? I don't think so. As a neutral, I'd love to see Mayo win. But as a realist, I would say, I think they lost their opportunity. And I don't mean that in any way disrespectful to Mayo people. Martin, um Mayo were described by one esteemed columnist, not here, on Sunday as celebrity losers in the run-up to Sunday's final. That, that wasn't a fair charge, was it? Well, it was way out of order. I mean, it was obviously just attention-seeking, and I suppose uh, um, that's not unusual from the quarter it came from. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, Mayo have lost all Ireland finals, no doubt about that. But it's not, th- that doesn't mean that 
it makes them celebrity losers. I mean, they lost uh, some of the finals. They were very unlucky. And I don't care what anybody says. Luck plays an awful lot. Uh, a big, plays a bigger role in sport than people think. Including in, in, in Mayo's case this year, they have got, they have got slight uh, more breaks of luck this year than in other years. After the Galway setback, they got a great draw right through the qualifiers. They then got um, Tyrone. That was a tough one. They then had Tipperary, and they would see themselves, I suppose, as more advanced than Tipperary. So the look broke their way in that regard, and they took it this time. And I think that's the difference. The idea of calling them celebrity losers is just attention-seeking. There's no more to it. Colm, uh, we talk about luck. Has the team ever suffered more misfortune than Mayo did in that first half? I obviously don't ever remember any team uh, conceding two own goals in, in any match, I don't recall it, uh, never mind an All-Ireland final. But I thought it was a most impressive response, especially at half-time, uh, by Mayo and consequently the Mayo management to be able to bring them back around and score the first five points of the second half. So that's a measure of this team. Uh, to develop Martin's point about being celebrity or not being celebrity losers, uh, two years ago against Kerry in the drawn All-Ireland semi-final, they came from five points down having had Lee Keegan sent off. They came from seven points down in last year's all our drawn All-Ireland semi-final to get a draw. And again, it was Andy Moran who sparked that revival that day, as he did last Sunday with the first, with the first score. At times, in 2012 and 2013, when they lost the All-Ireland Finals, they probably weren't good enough, I would think. I think their best year was 2014. I thought they should have beaten Kerry on both days that year. Uh, last year, Dublin, just a better team, Dublin team went by them in the closing stages of the replay. I saw nothing from Mayo this year to think that they could compete as well as they did last Sunday. Uh, all year, really, even against Tyrone, I thought... It was a measured performance, a controlled performance, but nothing in the realm of All-Ireland champions that day. And, and again against Tipperary. But they really raised their level of performance. And I would suggest that the benefit of the four weeks between the semi-final and the final really, really helped them. And I think the fact that the replay is two weeks now and not just a week, that they don't spend two days out of the six that they would have had next Saturday travelling up in time, gives them more time because... On the evidence of what we've seen, certainly since the, the latter end of the qualifiers, they are improving uh, as a team and they're getting a lot of things right. And they certainly, from a management point of view, they got all their matchups right last, last Sunday. So I think Mayo are improving and I think they have great scope for improvement, just as much as Dublin have. And as Stephen Rochford said, after the final whistle, it's only half time. Now, these next week and a half are going to be vital to the, the, the preparation, the tactics, the analysis from the two management camps. Pat, who do you think, or who has more scope for improvement there, or, or what do the two managers need to do? Uh, actually, the, just before I answer that question, the article that they're talking about, and Martin didn't like to say who called Mayo celebrity losers, but I'd like to put it on record who said it, was, was my colleague on the Sunday game, Joe Brawley. And look, and I know I, I've only been here about an hour today, uh, and I suppose I've heard a thousand times, where's Brawley? Is Brawley with you today? Can I just state on record, he is not a friend of mine, never was <laughs> and never will be, right? Just get that right. Uh, Joe is a brilliant man. Joe is a barrister. If I said to Joe, I'm sitting here in the ploughing championships in Tullamore, Joe would immediately say, no, I'm in Kilkenny. If I said, up, 
Joe would say, down. For years, I was saying Northern football was the debt of football. And Joe was disagreeing with me. And now, who has come over as the greatest supporter that Ulster football was anti-football is the great Joe. But I'll give you two little things about Joe. How do you know when Joe is talking rubbish? Very simple. The next time, when you look at your television and you're saying, Spillane gave us a hint today. How do you know Joe is talking rubbish? His lips move. Actually, his hands do as well. <laughs> anyway, uh, the All-Arden final replay, who has to improve? Mayo came with a tactic, and the tactic was pretty much defensively, and they didn't put enough thought into their forward line, and they didn't have enough support for their forwards, and Aidan O'Shea, who's a brilliant, brilliant footballer, they still haven't got the right role for Aidan O'Shea. Uh, sometimes you, we overcomplicate things in life. Sometimes we overanalyze things in life. Think about this: if the three Dublin fullbacks are six foot, six foot, and five eleven, on the law of averages, if you lamp in Aidan O'Shea, he's six foot fucking four. On the law of averages, if the ball comes in high, the chances of the guy six foot four winning it is high. I would put him on the edge of the square and I would lamp a few high balls and I'd bring Barry Morden in with him and he's six foot six and I'd test him out early. Dublin, uh, Dublin need to make a few changes. You know, we were talking about this after year. Uh, some of the Dublin stars aren't producing the goods this year and Gavin has a big decision. Bernard Brogan, who... Uh, in fairness, he doesn't go off our televisions between super value and everything else. The fair play to him, the guy is making a fortune. But if I was Jim Gavin, I'd say, hey, Bernard, for the next two weeks, no television, no plowing championships, no opening supermarkets, no cooking. Bernard, I want you training and training hard because Bernard hasn't been producing. A big game from Bernard Brogan, big game from Paul Flynn, but I think Jim Gavin... Uh, Frank, I think he needs to freshen up the team and he needs to call a couple of the, their stars ashore. I'll move on to Martin. Would you, what changes would you make? Well, if, if, if you look back to Kilkenny, who would be the, um, I suppose, the market leaders in this, in 2012, Galway drew with Kilkenny. Kilkenny made, I think it was two changes for the replay, one of which was bringing in Walter Walsh for his first championship game. Galway made no changes, Kilkenny won. In 2014, Kilkenny made changes for, for the replay. Tipperary made none, Kilkenny won. This year against Waterford, Kilkenny made changes, three changes as it happened, including Liam Blanchfield making his debut. Waterford made one change, I think it was, Kilkenny won. So in all of those years, Cody has never shown any, uh, always gone, went for change. And I think if you're looking at Dublin, we've been told that this is the best team they've ever had, the best squad perhaps they've ever had, including 19s, the 70s. Now, Spillane and myself are old enough to remember that, and he played against them, and uh, they were pretty them, good. Do you want to tell them the greatest, who the greatest football team of all time was? We'll come to that in a while. But if they're that good, now is the time to go and, and try them out and, and, and give them a run on the final. I can tell you one thing. If, if Cody had them in Kilkenny, he'd be, making, he'd be making changes. So I think it'll be interesting to see that, but that's certainly the, the history of it with Kilkenny. It's only the last few years. They made changes. The opposition didn't. Kilkenny won. We'll see what happens. Callum, it's, it's not in Jim Gavin's, uh, not say his mindset, but it, it, he hasn't really a history of making radical changes. But he, he never really has had to do that before. He's, nev he's never had to because he's never really been faced with this situation. Even last year, Dublin in the drawn semi-final played particularly well. So there wasn't really a need. And the only players he really changed over the last two years when injuries weren't involved was either Dennis Bastic or Michael Dara McCauley and then Kevin McManaman and... Paddy Andrews. So they, they were the only changes that he has really made. 
But now there's a test and obviously a big question for Bernard Brogan and Paul Flynn. I don't believe he will change either. I think the only change will be an attack. I think Kevin McMenamin may resort, despite having a really, really good year so far. I think that they will hold him in reserve the next day. And Bernard Brogan and Paul Flynn will get their chance. And they'll go to Jim Gavin and say, I won't let you down. That will be, that will be their mantra. And they will get, I think they will get, I think Jim Gavin is probably a touch more conservative in the way he operates. You've seen that over the last couple of years. I just don't see Bernard Brogan being dropped for this All-Ireland Final replay. Would you make any Mayo changes? I don't think there's a lot of scope for Mayo change. Uh, it's what you do with Barry Moore and Pat suggests maybe throwing him in in a twin tower approach with Aidan O'Shea. I think Dublin have dealt with that pretty well with Aidan O'Shea over the last couple of years uh, when they've met. Uh, I think they'll swell the numbers back and be able to get round them and dispossess them. They've done that pretty well. So the scope for change, the scope for change isn't isn't huge in Mayo, and they have injuries. Evan Regan and Alan Dillon are both carrying knocks from last weekend. So Dublin have far more, far greater range of changes to make. They may even Mick Fitzsimons could come into the uh, into the frame at some stage. Owen O'Gara, Paul Mannion, all of these. But I think there'll be one, and I think Kevin McManaman, unfortunately for him could be the man to lose out. Pat, during your own playing career, uh, for some reason, you never had any problem going back to back to back to back. Um, it's a huge issue for teams in the modern era. And is it, was that a factor, do you think, in Dublin's performance last actually, Sunday? Um, actually, two things in that. Uh, as I'm here in Offaly, is there many Offaly people here or anyone here in the audience? One, two, 1982. I just wanted to bring it up, lads, because I, I can let go, but it was... It was a push in the back. It was a push in the back. For sake, lads. It was a push in the back. And we should have we should have had our place in history and we should have had five in a row, but sure. <laughs> I'll tell you this though. I'll give you you know winning an All Ireland medal is an amazing achievement. Absolutely an amazing achievement. But once you've won one All Ireland medal, like with all due respects, after that it's accumulation. A medal is a medal is a medal. Now, in professional sport, if you win a competition, you get paid more money to try to win it next year. If you win it again next year, you get even more money. In the GA, every year you win it, you win another medal. And I remember Mikko Dwyer at an early stage realized, in 1978, he realized a medal won't keep us hungry in this, you know, it won't drive us, you know, you come back at the start of the year, there's ferocious sacrifices, ferocious commitment, ferocious effort, and, and those bad dark nights in February, you know, those negative thoughts are crossing your head and you're saying, what's it all for, is it worth it, just another medal, and Dwyer realised a medal wasn't going to be the carrot, so Dwyer, the carrot Mikko Dwyer dangled for us. And he was the first to do it, was that if you win an All-Ireland next year, there's a team holiday. So the first ever team holidays were with Dwyer. And we started in 78 and we got the Canaries. And 79 we got America. And 1981, it'll tell you, we were going for four in a row. But our reward for getting four in a row was five weeks in America, Hawaii and Australia. And not alone did we have five weeks of a holiday, we had £1,400 a man pocket money. That was not a bad incentive, you know, really good incentive. For the five in a row, we were going to go on the most exotic location of all time. To the moon. And, and it's a bit, <laughs> a, 
and out it, of space. It's, it's a bit like choosing a location for a honeymoon. The, vin- the destination we choose for winning five row was a place called Bali in Indonesia. So, unfortunately, sadly, we never got to Bali. Or as Bomberd Liston said the following morning when we were drinking, drowning our sorrows, he said, the only Bali we'll get to this year is Bali fecking bunion. <laughs> so, so, so I can see, do you know, I can see, Remember, we were led to believe that Tyrone were the greatest team of, the, of a decade. They never put an All-Ireland back-to-back. And this is the point I'm trying to make. Trying to put All-Ireland titles back-to-back and what Killy, Kilkenny did, what Kerry did in the past, is a really amazing achievement. Because what you have to do is you've got to get 30 fellas to give the same commitment, the same sacrifices, the same work rate that they gave the previous year. And when you've got a good winter behind you and a lot of socialising, it might fall 1% short. And I thought last Sunday, the dubs were that little 1% short. They weren't really as hungry as Mayo. I don't know what the question was. I haven't a clue. <laughs> Martin, uh, they have another chance, though. Do you think this Dublin team needs to go back-to-back to prove their greatness? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily think that. But, I, but at the same time, if they go back-to-back, it, it hasn't been done. It hasn't been done since... Uh, um, Frank, has to, Frank said obviously he's implying that but I'd like to point out by the way anybody here from Galway this is the, the 50th anniversary of the Galway three in a row the, the last team other than this crowd to win the three in a row and that should be recorded in 1966 uh, the, probably the best team of all time beat Kerry three years in a row three years in a row Pat sadly it's a long time ago but do they have to do it not really. I mean, they're still a very young team. I mean, Dublin could be winning fewer islands in the next few years, even if they don't win this one. So it's, it's, you, you can't take it. But by the way, mention of Pat and, and 1982, you know, all, he's slightly rewriting history here to some degree now, I must admit. Do you know that in, in 1982, uh, they played our man in All-Ireland semi-final and there were only 18,000 people in Crow Park because people were so fed up watching, uh, watching them in, in, at that stage that weren't even, you nearly wrecked the GA in actual fact. Because nobody was going to see, even though you thought you were great, nobody was going to see in 1982. Uh, just, I'll answer that question. 80, 1982 semi final, only 18,000 people in Crow Park. Very simple reason I wasn't playing. <laughs> you were playing in the final, and there was only 62,000 there. There were 10,000 empty seats in Crow Park in 82. But there you go. But in answer to your question, no, they don't have to. I mean, look at there, but there, you, good players are good players. It doesn't matter how many they win, they have three already. Colm, do you think people have maybe overhyped Dublin a bit then this season? I, I just say I was so inspired by Pat's last uh, last tirade there about the. I, I have to say, I, I'd nominate him as next Kerry manager. I would no doubt about it. He has to be has to be in the frame. I was ready to jump jump out of the seat, or at least the Kerry under twenty one job that they won't give him that they won't give him all these years for some strange reason. But are Dublin overhyped? No, I don't think they are. I think any team that has won or not been unbeaten in their last. In their last 20... Oh, okay. That's <laughs> but anyway, any team, any team unbeaten for 28 games over an 18-month period uh, has to be rated as something special. And they've won and drawn games in every imaginable way in that period of time. They've won from the start and gone out heavy and won, and won easily. And they've reined teams in. So no matter what has been thrown at them, they've been able to deal with it. And even playing so poorly and so many forwards misfiring, they were still able to draw last Sunday's, Sunday's match and beat three points ahead going into injury time, delivering one of their poorest performance, yet they still survive. And they've done that through 28 matches. 
Under Jim Gavin, they've won 10 out of the 11 trophies that they've gone for. You cannot ignore the fact that they've won four league titles. That's the level of consistency. You might write off the league in, in some ways, some teams do, but their measure of consistency is that they've won four in a row. It's an incredible achievement in, in the modern age. So I don't believe that they are overhyped. I think they're right up on the shoulder of these guys in terms of being a quality team. Very good. Now, before we finish this discussion, we might just have a small bit of audience participation. We're going to uh, see which way you think the replay is going to go. So I'm going to say Mayo first, and anyone who thinks Mayo's going to win, I want so you to hands shout up out. who thinks Mayo going to win next. And now the dubs. Hands up how many liars are in this place. The silence is deafening. Listen. Uh, no, no dubs at the Plown Championship. <laughs> obviously not for some reason. They must be all in the RDS. My thanks to Pat Spillane, Colm Keyes and Martin Brehany for joining me on the throw-in. Coming to you from the 2016 Plowing Championships. Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. <laughs>